Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untraded Media Podcast. This is episode 137, so um, I'm genuinely surprised we have not done this topic sooner, given that this is one that we like to talk about a lot, and I don't know how, but my brain kind of went, okay, Space Jam A New Legacy is coming this weekend, mm-hmm. Space Jam has a lot of cameos, so this it week does. we're going to talk about the greatest movie cameos of all time, and then I was thinking also for next week for G.I. Joe versus snake eyes origin whatever it's called snake eyes a gi joe origin whatever that movie's called we'll probably do best origin movies uh not just comic book movies because there's some other good origin ones we could probably throw in there but this week we're just doing cameos and just so you guys know i didn't put a cap on it so we're just gonna go full (laughs) hand with this um josh how you doing tonight nice of you to make it more than just a cameo (laughs) oh uh, I'm chilling, bro. I'm. I guess the running theme with Josh these days is he doesn't sleep and is paying for it. Uh, yeah, you're old. I know, dude. That, see, I keep telling myself that, but then I cut out caffeine for like a week, and now all of a sudden it's get it's gotten worse. I'm just like, I don't understand. I just want to. I just want to sleep. I thought the but, older you get, the easier it was supposed to be to go to sleep. Like see, that's mid-sentence. what I always thought. <laughs> that's what i always thought but i guess not i'm just waiting for the day that josh just conks out halfway through a show just <laughs> who's saying that i haven't <laughs> i know you've gone to the bathroom during an episode yes before. i have <laughs> i know that's it happened a... i remember which one too <laughs> it was an emergency poop so yeah gave well, you a we'll signal say... hit the mute and went <laughs> i remember that episode it's not yes. one we ever talk about it was not oh, one no, we enjoyed no. um but uh i don't know about you josh but i've been watching a lot this past week more than i realized so obviously the big one uh black widow yeah same it's fine it's not good yeah, or great yeah. but it's fine like it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination but was it worth it the wait no <laughs> um yeah it's i'm quite honestly here and i had this discussion with my dad and at first he wasn't on my side but then i was like but like hear me out because a it's hard to have any sense of like oh what's gonna happen to black widow when we already know what's gonna happen to black widow and then like <sighs> It just the, the timeline's weird, and it doesn't. There's no reason for it to exist where it exists, and it's just it it's it's really tough because I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. No. Like I, I would I probably won't watch it again. But I was like, it's fine, sure, okay. Uh, now there are I, I don't know about you, but I've seen some people be like, man, the people that worked on this movie should be ashamed of themselves. Blah blah blah. I'm like, guys, chill, okay? No, it's not that bad. This isn't Thor: The Dark World. Like, like chill out. Which, uh, <laughs> speaking of Thor: The Dark World, did you see that reaction video that Deadpool and Korg did together about the free guy trailer? <laughs> it's on my it's on my wall. Watch it after this. They make they even make fun of Thor: The Dark World. And it makes me so happy. <laughs> Um, but they actually get Taiko Titi's Korg and Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool to sit on a couch together and react to the Free Guy trailer. It's wonderful. That's um, great. That is wonderful. Yeah, Black Widow was just kind of fine. I think my biggest problem going into the movie and for all production was you have to justify to me why this movie exists or why it didn't come out years before. And coming out of it, it didn't do that. It doesn't give me a reason yeah. of 
why didn't this come out, you know, while she was still alive? Why didn't this come out after Civil War and before Infinity War? Like, honestly, there really is no reason. And other, yeah, other than to like, hey, guys, look, shit, you can shut up now. Black Widow has a movie. Like, this one doesn't. All Marvel stuff feels meticulously planned out. This kind of felt like an afterthought. Like we mm-hmm. we kind of did just do this as a okay. We didn't really send off Black Widow the best possible way in Endgame, so we need to do something. It's really not a bad movie, but like Josh said, I don't know if I'll be watching it again. It was it was okay. Um, I know people raved about uh, David Harbor and Florence Pugh. They were shooing mm-hmm. to be great, but even then, I thought they were they were good. But considering how much I heard people rave about them, I thought it was going to be better. Uh, David Harbour still, he probably hurt his back from carrying the movie so much. Uh, mm. But Taskmaster, well, we're not going to dwell on it too much, but do not go into this movie expecting good villains. These are probably in the running for some of the worst Marvel villains, period. Like Ray Winston's character as the guy that runs the Red Room is so forgettable that the movie almost like makes fun of how lame he is. Of just like, mm-hmm. really? You've just been on the sidelines and we sh- expect to take you seriously? Like... It's not intimidating. And I'm not the biggest Taskmaster yeah. fan, but I think he's a cool character in the comics. I'm not fully outraged like some other people is of how he was treated in this movie, but I do worry, and I texted you after I saw it, that we're going to get a Mandarin situation of, in a few years, we're going to get the actual Taskmaster, and I'm going, come on, we could have just done it right the first time. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's... It's fine. It it happens. It happened. We've we've seen it now. Um, what else have you been watching? Uh, actually, a lot more than I realized. So I watched uh, part two of the Fear Street movies, Fear Street 1978. Yeah. I like this one so much more than the first one. It was very much your stereotypical Friday the 13th slash Halloween, like kids at camp, Camp Nightwing, which is not at all the entire reason why I saw this movie. Not at all. How dare you accuse me of such accurate statements? <laughs> um, I enjoyed this one a lot more just because I'm a sucker for a cheesy slasher. And that's exactly what this is. And to say its references are not very subtle would be an understatement. Let's just have our slasher of a Friday the 13th parody literally be named Tommy, as in, you know, Tommy Jarvis, except this time that he's the bad guy. Or one of the main protagonists is named Alice, just like the original Friday the 13th. Uh, but it was it was fun. Also, without dipping into spoilers, no one is safe. Normally, when you have like a Friday the 13th, um, there's always the threat of, oh no, the kids might be in danger. But deep down, you know, nothing's going to happen to the kids. Oh no, the kids are not safe either, which I appreciated. Um, my only real complaint is I could have used a little bit more variety in the kills. It's a guy with an... Um, with an axe, very much a shining reference, but that's really the only mode of I was about to say transportation, but that ain't right. Transportation <laughs> to the underworld. Uh, that's the only transportation of death, basically. The only vehicle of death <laughs> is that axe. I'm like, we could have gotten a little more creative here. Uh, but yeah, I much preferred the second one over the first one. I think I like the characters better. It just felt much more like a fun throwback. Um, I also finally binge-watched and caught up on all the episodes so far of Superman and Lois. I'd watched like the first two nice. episodes months ago and bro watch it. It's on CW, the CW app. You don't have to watch anything else on the app, but this genuinely is <laughs> I probably won't. I will say this. This is probably the best superhero show on TV, and I will not back down from that statement of 
Really? Okay. Like, I'm still kind of in shock that it's on the same channel as the Abomination that is The Flash and all those other shows. Like, this yeah. clearly is written by people that love the source material. So, uh, without delving too much into the spoilers, but, like, the mid-season finale kind of gives a brief synopsis of Superman up until this point of we waited till the halfway point to give his origin just because they figured you as an audience are smart enough to know what Superman's origin is. And when we get it, I was like, oh, this is written by people that know and love and care about the source material. Like, I beamed with pride, and again, not too much into spoilers, but when he gets his first Superman suit made for him by Martha, I just had this big old grin on my face. And the way Tyler Hecklin's performance as both Clark and Superman is just perfect. He could be a little bigger physically, but I've seen some set photos of what he looks like now, and I think he's like taking it to heart that people are saying he needs to be bigger, so he's jacking himself up. But I really love and appreciate this dynamic that I didn't think I would when the show started of, what if Superman and Lois had teenage sons? And I'm going, I don't know if I like that. But it's interesting <laughs> the dynamic the show has of, yeah, the world needs him. But what happens if you've got a teenage son that's developing superpowers that's going to need you to teach him this stuff and you have duties as a father? So it's very much an interesting and realistic and human portrayal of, yes, you've got a family to look after, but you technically still have a quote-unquote job to do. And how are you going to balance your job, your family, and everything else when you're a superhero? It's written yeah. so well, and it gets to the core of the character so well. And also, without saying too much to Josh, because I do think he would really enjoy it, even in season one, we're getting elements of a uh, reign of the Superman. We've already mm. got we've already got one of the characters because they do a surprise reveal halfway through that I was not expecting. That I was like, "Oh, that's cool," uh, and I really like where that's going, which. Maybe it's just because my mind will always go to there. I'm very curious how this show will someday. They have not made any reference to it whatsoever yet, but I'll be very curious how the show will approach Doomsday and the death of Superman. Because mm. good God, if he's got an actual loving family that he's got a good commu- good relationship with and dies, and maybe we spend Oof. like half a season with the boys having to go, okay, what do we do now? The world has no Superman. And maybe this like teenage angst of going... I can't be my dad type of thing. And then he obviously has to miraculously come back. Ah, it's so good. It's so much better than it has any right to be that I'm going, um, okay. Can we get the writers of the show on all the other CW shows? Like it, yeah. it pays respect to Superman. Like he gets beat up. There's a couple of great moments of somebody's beating up Superman with like some sonar or some uh, kryptonite. And his kid hits, like, the emergency switch of, no matter what happens, dad has to come home. He hits that. And Superman just immediately goes, like, okay, I'm done playing. Does, like, a clap and sends a sonic wave. And he's just like, no, we're, we're done with this now. I'm not messing around anymore. I'm like, that's a Superman right there. <laughs> that's rad, bro. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll check it out. Who knows? Uh, um, I would say watch on CW app. Watch the first half of episode 11 and if that doesn't really get you into it then i don't know if the show will be for you or any better yet watch the first five minutes of the pilot just the first five minutes and you'll get a vibe of what the show is about yeah Um, i can do that because yeah it sets the tone pretty early and it's a good tone uh you watching Mm -hmm. anything else before we dive into our kind of limited news this week 
I uh, I watched one of I, I texted you last night when I watched it. I was like, why? Why do I always forget that Silver Linings Playbook is like one of my favorite movies? I don't understand. Um, also, uh, by the time this episode comes out, there will be a finale. Loki released will be done. on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, so final I'll predictions. Be curious. Final predictions that will be out of date when this comes out. Is it yeah, Kang? I, I, Is it Variant Loki? Is Owen Wilson a Loki? It, I think it has to do something with Kang. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I don't think he'll make an appearance, but they will allude to him even more heavily than they already have. Um, I don't know, dude. It's I'm. I, I, I. They've been very, very guarded with who who is the big baddie, even though it's the TBA. I don't know. It's it's an it's a weird show. Anyway, so let's talk about stuff that I have opinions on. Um. <laughs> oh, dude, this what if what if trailer is interesting. I love this least. what if trailer. I'll be honest, because mm. honestly, this is since they announced this, this has actually probably been one of my most anticipated Marvel shows coming out over Loki, not over Falcon Winter Soldier, because I love me some Anthony Mackie, but. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the concept of a what if, and so we finally get our first trailer for it, and I really, really am digging what we're getting. I know some people have some issues with the art style. I don't mind it nearly as much as some other people. Maybe it's just because I'm used to more exaggerated art styles over time, Um, but I could see how this could be a little off-putting at first. To be honest, I didn't like the end of the Spider-Verse animation style when I first saw it, and I really grew to love that. I appreciate that with a concept like what if, at least from the trailer, it does not look like they're playing this safe. It's not like a, no. well, what if Iron Man gave up weapons in the first Iron Man? It's not even just that. It's what if Iron Man got saved by Killmonger? I'm going, that's an interesting what if that I hadn't even thought about. I've always liked the concept of what if because as we've talked about many times before, Josh and I like to like rewrite stuff and just float ideas around but i also grew up with a lot of what if comics from my uncle like what if all the fantastic four had the same power like they were all flame i was supposed to say flame birds but that's a dc character or what if they all had stretching abilities or what if they were all things or i had another what if there was what if spider-man kept his six arms um or stuff like that i've always liked this like alternate it was it was a weird story man Um, yes it was uh, but um, I always like these alternate stories. Josh, I think, is less keen on this. I – and maybe it's a vibe I'm getting from the trailer. I don't have an issue with uh, the animation. I mean, once you've seen Rebels and you can get – and you're like, yeah, I'm fine with Rebels animation, you can pretty much accept any animation out there. See, to um, me, I think the Clone Wars has always been a weirder animation than Rebels. I oh, think that's more jarring <laughs> and angular. I, I, I will agree with you on that. Um, but I the, I think the part that's throwing me in – maybe this is just because they've built the trailers together so well – it felt like the show is going to be one chronological story as opposed to each episode is a specific scenario of what ifs. You know what I mean? So I, which if all of a sudden we're just telling story, we're doing, trying to do a a full chronological story of tying a bunch of what ifs together. I, it's not, it's not what I signed up for. 
I, I wanted I individual episodes. I think they are individual episodes, and they just didn't do a very good job of explaining yeah. that. Um, an interesting idea that people have floated around that, honestly, at the rate we're going, there's no way to disprove it, is some people were like, well, what if this is just another multiverse option, since we are supposedly getting a multiverse any day now? Um, but then yeah. again, by the time Loki's finale is out, we might be eating our words here. Um there's if we are getting the multiverse in the MCU, there's no way to say that this isn't canon, which I think is an interesting yeah. concept of going. That's the whole point of what if of you can tell these really bizarre off the wall stories, but they're not going to affect your main characters. I think you're right. They could have done a better job of stating that these were individual stories because I, I do still still think they are as opposed to. It's like a snowball effect, because if you change one thing in the first one, you're just going to keep going and going off the rails, yeah. so to speak. And I don't think they're doing that, because I think they want to give the directors of each episode their own individual yeah. freedom. Um, I think it's cool, too, that this is the final Chadwick Boseman performance. I'm really glad he was able to get his lines in before his untimely passing. So it was cool to hear his voice again. And I, I'm very curious about that one, to see... What if T'Challa was a not even Guardian of the Galaxy? He's a Ravager, which I'm like, I like the the concept of that, but also he's got the purple jacket this time instead of the red. I mm-hmm. I just think that's aesthetically cooler. Um, yeah. What else did you notice from this trailer in terms of like potential storylines? I mean, outside of the T'Challa, I I think he's supposed to be star lord but i'm not yes, entirely he's supposed to be star lord i'm pretty sure but uh like um captain carter already knew that we kind of already knew that that was gonna that be was a like thing. the first thing that came out too yeah that we already kind of knew that was gonna be a thing um i'm trying to remember off the top of my head any of the like really obvious ones but um i'm curious what they're gonna do with thor apparently he's they're doing something with him i don't know what that well I, we're, you know, like I think we're getting twenty-three episodes, so it's one episode of every Marvel show, one episode per Marvel movie, and I like that almost everybody from the MCU is coming back to voice their characters. I think they could have done a better job highlighting that because the first character we have talking is Iron Man, blatantly not Robert Downey Jr. Like mm-hmm. I know Marvel's priding themselves on we got almost everybody back, well except for Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans and Doctor Strange and a couple others, but we got almost everybody else back. I would have yeah. highlighted that more of using voice casts of people and voices that we already knew. Like you said, we have Thor. That is definitely Chris Hemsworth. Or Haley Atwell is definitely Captain Carter here. Like I think we could have relied on the voices that yeah. are returning instead of openly pointing out the ones that aren't like that Robert Downey Jr. one was so off of what we are used to that I think for some people might be a little jarring yeah no I agree I think the other thing I I, I would have preferred from it would be um oh geez I had it and then I lost it I could see it leaving yep bye thought have a great day it died of loneliness yeah I mean there's not all two brain cells are firing right now because you haven't um, been sleeping, man. Yes, I'm trying I, to stall for time. Think, you're good. I, I think at this at this particular moment, I think what ifs is going to be. While it's super interesting, interesting, I'm also kind of nervous because once you open that box, it's hard to stop 
stuff from coming out of that box because like if anything's possible, everything's possible. And it's uh, it, what's it, that line it, from while, The Incredibles? It, if everyone's yeah, if special, everyone's special, no, no one, one is. Which, oddly enough, is actually a perfect Woo! segue to our next trailer that we oh, got. Which the whole premise of that is. <laughs> If everyone's special, then no one is with this. Yes. If I'm pronouncing this correctly, Encanto, like, I, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but also not just throw an accent in there if it doesn't need yeah. it coming from this awkward white guy. Um, I don't know how I feel about this trailer. So the basic premise is it's Foster's home for imaginary friends, except yep. with superpowers. Like, as soon as I saw this, I was going, oh, so, um... You've discovered what Cartoon Network is, because even looking at the house, <laughs> yes. looking at the house in this graphic here, pull up a side by side that looks a lot like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, it except does. these are it really does. except these are real people. That's the that's the Shyamalan twist. Everyone's made up <laughs> in her head, and our main character here, voiced by uh, Stephanie Beatriz, I believe is her name from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Is the only one in the house. Is the only one in the house without superpowers. Um, visually, I think it looks cool. Um, but also visually, it doesn't do enough of a job. At least for me, from this teaser. Admittedly, it is a teaser trailer. It doesn't do enough to differentiate itself from a lot of other brightly colored Disney movies of recent memory. Like, yeah, color palette wise and kind of just aesthetically. It kind of has a Moana slash Coco vibe of just bright vibrance, which is cool. But I kind of wanted a little bit more of, okay, what makes this special? What makes what makes this story unique? And also, why are you only just now telling us about this movie if it comes out in November? Like, <laughs> that's pretty soon, guys. <laughs> to only just like really be advertising this. I thought this was next year. I think uh, with a certain CEO or guy that is now currently in he- in charge of Disney, uh, they're going to start doing the thing that they used to do, which is um, movies that they don't care about, they don't market. Stupid dingus. Yeah, yeah, yeah dingus. Uh. It's, it's, like, it's, it's unfortunate that Disney do- has done this in the past. And, like, it's not even, like, we're just assuming. Like, it's blatant. Like, just disregard for marketing, but then also being like, hey, guys, this movie did well because of our marketing, not because it's a great film. Like, get out of here. But anyway, anyway that's, that is a, that is a that's rabbit a horse trail that has already rant. been beaten so many yeah. times by us. Um, I agree. I, I honestly, I thought this was like Coco 2 at first and like the first few seconds. Um, however, the idea that everyone else has powers except for our main character is interesting to me because too often we tell the story of, especially in Disney movies of, well, you're the one that's special this whole time. It's been you. It's been you. And that's Don't still worry. very likely you to happen the here. Hero. It is. And, but at the same time, uh, there's a certain like, <laughs> how, how do I say this? I don't. I don't think Disney has the balls to do this. But at the same time, like to not have the story be, oh, you, but you've been special this whole time, but like be the bonds with her family that that's the special part. I mean, which is still kind of Coco, but at the same time, I'm kind of here for it. I don't know. Now, 
I'd be very impressed. And I this could actually change the movie around for me if Disney had the balls to not give her superpowers by the end of the movie. Because this mm-hmm. type of movie, it's almost always... You're a late bloomer, whether that's sky high, up, up, and away, which, yes, I just referenced up, up, and away off the top of my head, but a lot, or even The Incredibles with Jack-Jack. A lot of these, like, superhero-esque or super-powered being type movies with that one kid that's different is just always a late bloomer. They get their powers by the end of the movie, and that's, like, the big climax. I think it'd be much more engaging if this story, she never gets her powers, and that is what makes her special, is that... She's not special. Well, what makes her special is she's not special. (laughs) She's special because she's not. She's average. But what if? Yeah, that's what that's what makes her special is being human and seeing and living life a normal way from the rest of her family and being like a bridge to the regular world type of thing. I I don't know if Disney will do that because they almost always have to do the. You had a superpower within you the entire time. But I, I almost super I compassion. Know, yeah, super compassion. Uh, I, I don't know. We we don't. It's just the teaser, so we don't know what the villain's gonna be. Blah blah blah. But I think what would be really cool if I'm spitballing here, if I'm the one <laughs> directing this movie, which will never be me, um, Adam Blompier. This no, is how uh, I would. <laughs> how I would, how book. I would do it. Kanto. <laughs> um, I I give her powers. And then, but to defeat, to like defeat the ultimate evil, she has to sacrifice those powers. So she ends up at the movie being being just the same person as she was at the beginning, but also not the same person. That could be very interesting. I like the sound of that. I can tell stories, you know. Sometimes. <laughs> so I think this next one, people are making a much bigger deal out of it than they really need to, just because. People are just like, but but comic book studios need to be at Comic-Con. That's the whole point of Comic-Con, which, I'm not going to lie, we follow pop culture news for this podcast and just in our free time. Dude, I didn't even know <laughs> Comic-Con was happening this year when it was happening, yeah. so uh, I think I that's the big omen there. Uh, but the news that we're talking about today is that both Marvel and DC will not be at Comic-Con this year, to which I'm just going, uh, in other news... Water is wet. This has been a changing landscape for a few years now, especially in the entertainment world for in regards to news. Like it used to be that Comic Con was the big name for dropping big information. And to a certain extent it still was. The last time we were all gathered together, I think it was twenty nineteen, uh, they had Marvel had that big panel that they announced like Blade and everything else would be coming eventually. But since the pandemic and the rise of certain things within other companies, it kind of puts Comic-Con in a tough situation that I figure going forward, we're not going to get a lot of Marvel and DC stuff because look at who represents both and what they bring to the table. Disney has D23 that they're basically, I think that's every two years or so. And that's like Disney basically bringing all their big assets to the table and making all their big announcements. That way their stock prices can go up. A certain thing happened last year with DC called DC Fandom, mm. which utterly and ridiculously embarrassed Comic-Con last year. Comic-Con got caught with its pants down of how poorly Comic-Con at home went down. And DC Fandom shows up like a month or two later 
and just blows it out of the water in terms of virtual Comic-Cons at home, which gets me even more excited for this year's Comic-Con. One, because Josh and I are working on something for this year's event. And two, with a year under their belt and a lot of stuff already in production and done as Black Adam has finished production, this year's DC Fandom is going to be big. So if you've already got these two things, D23 and DC Fandom, why would you shell out all this money to send your company and your products to someone else yeah. so that they have the headlines? It's these it's kind of like the same mentality for streaming services. Why would you loan out your product when you can keep it in-house and keep that product for yourself and keep the headlines on you? I enjoy Comic-Con just as much as the next person, but I I am a little bit worried for its future because studios are putting their own Comic-Cons on instead. Yeah, it, which is weird because it would end up being, from what I understand, a little cheaper on the, on their end, which yes. is unfortunate. But I mean, I mean, I personally haven't been to a con, so I can't say, you know, what it feels like, and you know, we should never, you know, you know, uh, d- delete those those kinds of emotions from the from the nerd uh, f- f- fandom, is I guess is what I'm going to use. But like at the same time. Guys, pandemic is changing everything, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's it, it, and big groups together like that are not going to be as common as we as they once were, just because we're more aware of things. I think, um, now, especially be, in San Diego. To be to be fair, though, I'm not saying all cons will be gone. I'm just saying mm-hmm. I think cons will no longer be the avenue that studios go to release or hype up fans i think like the one in orlando here is called megacon i think that'll still exist i think those type of cons where people get together will still happen but they'll be for fans to get together they won't be for the breaking news like the like san diego comic-con kept building and building and building in terms of popularity and in terms of just scale every year and announcements like that happened every year and i think eventually that bubble was bound to burst as studios are realizing, oh, that's a big lucrative market. Let's cut into that. It's kind mm-hmm. of like the theme park integration of like each property wants to go to a different place and there's money to be made there. And that secret wasn't going to be secret for very long. So I'm not saying Comic-Con will be going away or cons in general, but I'm saying news-wise, it's, it's going to start to dry yeah. up, I think. Like smaller I, production I studios might still be involved, but... With other companies putting their own versions of events on, the days of Comic-Con being the big, I need to be in Hall H on Saturday, is going to go away. Yeah, no, I agree. And to a certain extent, um, I've always kind of been annoyed with, like, San Diego Comic-Con just because, like, not everybody can get there, and you end up dropping like, really, really cool teasers and stuff. And then those teasers get leaked by fans, and so then we ha- we end up seeing everything anyway. So it's like, what's the point of doing this special thing for just Hall H if it's going to end up on the Internet anyway? I don't know. It's, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not really surprised that they're not going if to. If, if I'm reading the signs, as they say in... Uh, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. I, it, I'm not surprised by this at all. Let's talk about something we are surprised about. Like what in the world, guys? Um, I'm. Uh, these words are actually going to come out of my mouth. 
if you are not excited for the Barbie movie, you should be, which is <laughs> not a sentence I thought would ever, ever come out of my mouth as a 27-year-old male. But yeah, guys, if you're not excited for this Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie, uh, get hyped because, oh my gosh, they're doing this really weird thing where they're adding, like, talent and not just talent, like the best freaking talent in the game. Okay, so we know Margot Robbie was attached to be the lead role in this yeah. Barbie movie for a really long time. Um, it's kind of pretty evident she already looks the part. She's a beautiful blonde woman um, who's also a phenomenal actress. Let's not forget about that. But then behind the camera, we're just like, ah, oh, no, we're not going to just saddle you with some marketable director that will just sell a whole bunch of tickets. No, we're going to get the one of the best and most Academy Award nominated directors on the rise today in Greta Gerwig, the director of Little Women, um, oh, Lady Bird. This woman, I believe, has been nominated like for 11 different Academy Awards. And the thing that I think a lot of people are overlooking right now is she's writing the script with her husband, Noah Baumbach, which for those that don't know, Noah Baumbach wrote Marriage Story, which is one of the best movies on Netflix. Um, are Barbie and Ken going to have a domestic dispute? <laughs> like, and have to find out who keeps the car? Because all jokes aside, oh my god, is this swinging above its weight class in terms of a Barbie movie? A Barbie movie has multi-time... Academy Award nominated <laughs> actors and a director and a script. What? This is like if Francis Ford Coppola is directing the next Transformers type of thing or G.I. Joe. What? Come on. <laughs> I mean, but like at the same time, like. I think if you don't, if you see if, if you're in this film and working on this film and you only see it as a opportunity for the studio to make some cheap money. I think you're doing this project some disservice. Uh, you're just going to make it into Bratz, basically, which don't ask me why I know that movie exists. Um, How do you know that movie exists? I know it does, but so, I didn't just pull it yeah, out of my butt. Any, any, anyway, anyway. In your anyway. defense, though, I did bring up Up, Up, and Away. <laughs> yeah. Like, where are these? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but it's. I think there's an opportunity here to tell some a really cool story who knows i mean God, like i'm just thinking of like a barbie movie that's basically little women and marriage story combined and i'm i'm i would watch the crap out of that and i can't believe i'm saying that as no. a fully grown adult male like i am here Let, let's go absolutely adam driver plays ken Oh, stop. And it's just that scene from Marriage Story where him and Scarlett Johansson are yelling at each other, except there's like, it's a bright pink house and he's punching the drywall. And it's like, every day I wake up and I realize I'm plastic. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's the good stuff right there. Uh, Just... I wish I had more to say about this movie. Yeah. But, like, we're just genuinely dumbfounded by this of just going, 
Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach could just have their pick right now of any projects they want in Hollywood. They're that high profile and on the rise in terms of names. Oh, also, their husband and wife, in case you missed that detail. Um, they could have their pick of anything. If anything, this is the biggest endorsement ever that this is what they're going with. They must have something good. And I feel like Margot Robbie herself came out and said something along the lines of, most people are expecting a certain thing with a Barbie movie, but then they see the Greta Gerwig's attached to it, and they're going, oh, maybe it's not that thing. That's exactly our reaction. And I think a lot of people are going to have that going, oh, they're doing a Barbie trailer. They're doing a Barbie movie. I think it's going to, maybe even greater extent, be like the door of the Explorer effect of so many people are going to go, this is a stupid idea. And then it comes out and go, oh, that's a way better movie than it has any right to be. Because seriously, y'all, Dora yeah. has no right to be as good as it is, considering oh, it's Dora the Explorer. We're going to have to get a third jar. There's going to be the How to Train Your Dragon jar, the Iron Giant jar, and the People Need to Respect Dora the Explorer movie the jar from now on. Yes, we can put it right next to the the Joel Edgerton jar, the Mike Flanagan yep. jar, the yep. Kung Fu Panda jar, the Jack Black jar. The man, we just try the to jar talk about jar the Binks. He's <laughs> a Sith Lord. He's a Sith Lord. No, bro. What's so funny to me is if my brother has his way. No, you and will I never have will at some point talk about Jar Jar Binks. And this Your brother can Sith never Lord. suggest podcast topics again. <laughs> now, as in the words of Monty Python, to transition away from Barbie now for something completely different um Josh and I love us some A24 it's aside from maybe Blumhouse A24 I'd safely say is probably our favorite production company making movies today um movies like Hereditary The Lighthouse uh Uncut Gems they make basically nothing but bangers that get a whole bunch of buzz from the academy I was under the impression that somebody already owned them but apparently they're an independent <laughs> studio. Not for much longer as A24 apparently is in the market to sell. And they're asking that the opening price be about $2 billion. So I'm going to start it off with Josh on this one because I have a lot of thoughts. I want to first open this it up with this, Josh. Do you think $2 billion is a fair asking price as it stands right now for yes. A24? Yes. No. Yeah. I have like no, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Like, if if you buy that suit, I'm just from a streaming perspective alone. Think of what would happen if, like, I don't know, uh, HBO Max had all the A24 movies in its own section. Like, that would be awesome to me, at least. I mean, I'm I'm a big A24 fan, so maybe it's just me. But like, just. That would be so cool because their movies typically are a little hard to find sometimes. Yes, um, they're not really on streaming. So, no, they're, they're hard, not. Or scattered they really on streaming. really should. Like the, the, the Vavitch, Hereditary, and like not even just their – yes, I said it because it's right there and I love – That's I love the only Vavitch. way to pronounce the Vavitch. The Vavitch, yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's not two Ws. That is not. That's not a W. That's two Vs. Um but yeah, like absolutely. That's that's uh, the fact that they whatever pipeline, creative pipeline they have over there, is working, in my opinion. Like they 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 
write their scripts well. They keep everything under wraps very well. They, I mean, there's very few A24 movies I have an actual legitimate problem with. Um, but I, there's almost a part of me, there's a small part of me, that's like, so don't sell it. Don't like, don't let another big corporation get involved in, in this independent um, process because how often have you and I been like, man, we want more original movies? And A24 comes in and is like, hey, I've got all this stuff. The and Green Knight. Like, hey, I've got all this stuff. Yeah, like. The Green oh, Knight this month. Yes. Oh. oh, I'm dude. It is marked on my calendar and I, mm, I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready for it. It might be my first review movie. If I, if I, if I, 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 that's I literally just pulled that out of my butt right now. I'm just so excited for Green Knight. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, it's, I guess to me, if a company is looking for a potential sale, to me that says they're like not doing well. But I, you know what I mean? Like I, no, I guess because that no matter what sale is big money and a 24 has never mm. been a big high volume in terms of money company. Like the lighthouse doesn't make a ton of money. The Vavitch didn't make a ton of money. They make quality, but they don't make the biggest of blockbusters. And I think that's kind of what lets their directors have so much creative freedom. Uh, I don't see it as necessarily a bad thing. I think they're just reading the market right now that, studios are in acquisition mode which there's a big one that i have circled underlined bolded in terms of who i think is buying a24 and i would not be surprised if by the end of the year it happens if this is true that they were looking to sell but i'm curious to see if josh and I are on the same brainwave here if someone was to buy a24 who would you probably peg first as this is who it's going to be and it's if if, if it's not warner brothers <laughs> Um, I'd say Universal. Ding, ding, ding. That's exactly who it, yeah. I would say because yeah. I don't think it's Warner Brothers because they're in the middle of that Discovery merger. I don't think Warner Brothers themselves mm-hmm. is in a place to buy someone else when they're themselves being bought out. Here's why I think it's Universal. There's a lot more reasons than you would think. Universal just missed out on acquiring somebody recently with Warner Brothers. They were in the running before Discovery swooped in, which is still weird to me that Discovery mm-hmm. yoinked away Warner Brothers from Universal, of all people, backed by Comcast. I still think Universal is looking to acquire somebody, and A24 would fit that niche perfectly. They can fill out the horror section on Peacock, but also, you know who else Universal works with quite a bit? Some company called Blumhouse. If you have Blumhouse and A24 under the same banner and you are insistent that if you want your own MCU and you want the Universal Monsters to work, I I think I just got Josh a little too excited there. Actually, no, I didn't even consider that. That would be... What can I say except you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, Also... If A24 is over at Universal, they get to do um, um, uh, Halloween Horror Nights off of A24. Maybe. Oh, sweet Jesus of a bitch house. <laughs> a hereditary oh. house or a midsummer. The lighthouse. Oh. The oh, lighthouse. Oh. A black oh, and white lighthouse house. It would be so good. Okay, but yes. Anyway, <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation <laughs> about parks. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It. If there's ever a 
in this acquisition mode that companies seem to be in right now, Universal, I think, is the best, is posed to benefit benefit the most from it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I could see them being like they do with Blumhouse. Of they'll distribute the movies, but by and large, Universal stays out of Blumhouse's business. They just show too much in Blumhouse's trailers. I don't know if that's a Universal problem or a Blumhouse problem, but yeah, I see Universal being it because there's not a chance in hell that Disney buys A24. <laughs> A24 does what? not make movies that Disney is interested in. Plus, Disney already has a company to make adult movies with Fox Searchlight. Like, they already have their, <laughs> like they had with Touchstone before. They already have a distribution for that. Universal doesn't make necessarily, like, specifically for adult movies or specifically for a kid. Like, this studio makes only adult movies like A24 does. A24... Oh gosh, a fairy tale for kids from A24, <laughs> directed by like That's... Tim Burton or somebody. No, if A24 and Blumhouse combined on a uh, Grimm's fairy tale, like actual legit Grimm's fairy tale. Oh, oh my! Yes, say less, God. boy. Say less. Oh, I'd be so down. That, like, that's a I, scary possibility. Oh. Like one, that's oh. legitimately a scary possibility. But two, that's a scary like freaking power rangers by our powers combined that's that's something else that's yep that, that's uh pretty sure that's, that's uh captain planet that's, uh, that's i think yeah, that's captain yeah. planet i'm getting my <laughs> multicultural heroes mixed up lots I think. of weird cameos <laughs> well yeah, i mean no it's great bro it's dude it's there's and that's what i think is and maybe this is just us nerds but um it always is i think eight twenty. it always it always it's yeah universal's probably the best bet i feel like universal stays out of their company's ways uh with blumhouse i think if warner brothers bought them they just get in the way all right josh you want to take the sponsor this week oh okay yeah sure uh uh so uh are you looking for a way to show that you know movies and that you're a smart person well, don't talk to anybody. Just wear Uncharted Media <laughs> merch. <laughs> People will see it and automatically know that you, in fact, are a cool guy. And that is what everybody wants in life. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got. That's what I got today. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm going to be doing the sponsor segments for a little bit here. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or yeah. Josh needs sleep. Um, oh, sleep so has been sleep. just but a cameo in his life lately. Um, speaking of cameos they've done well they're the most entertaining thing uh i tried to have a balanced list of like best movie cameos but more often than not a lot of these ended up being comedies just because i think the genre of comedies lend themselves better to having cameos as opposed to like horror which don't get me wrong i have some horror ones one of my favorite cameos of all time is a horror one but comedies make up most of my list just because it's easier to do that like fourth wall breaking off mm-hmm. hey you're david hasselhoff on a spongebob movie which is not on my list but for some reason that was the first one that came to my brain it's so cool though like why the hoff <laughs> the, the hoff has made like a career out of just showing up randomly in other people's movies just as david hasselhoff with a spongebob baywatch guardians 2 or the Have guardians you, 2 music uh, video my favorite David Hasselhoff Kung, cameo. What was is it the Kung is, Fury? Is Kung Fury. When Kung Fury where That's he's, not a cameo, he's singing car. it. But no, he he's the voice of the car too. He's, he's the singing voice of the song car. though. 
The car is falling. falling. Right in the street. (laughs) Gosh. A little, little, uh, little, um, dude, that movie's only like 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And it's on YouTube for free. Go watch Kung Fury. It is the most weirdest thing you'll ever watch, but it's so great. Uh, Uh, all right, Josh, kick us off. What What's one of your right. favorite cameos? Uh, short and sweet. You ready? Hugh Jackman in X-Men First Class. <laughs> okay. Okay, so um, I almost put that on my list, and I almost thought up a whole separate podcast discussion we could have because that scene is, one, great for great cameo, but two, I will still maintain that that scene is the single greatest use of the F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. Yes! That's a good podcast discussion right there of, like, best uses of the F-bomb in a PG-13 movie because I think that's that one is still the best of go F yourself and that is how you properly use Wolverine in that instead of, you know, milking him dry X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. Talk about how Logan basically tells uh, tells Xavier and and um, oh jeez, oh no, Magneto. I was going to use his actual name, not his made Eric? up name. <laughs> oh yeah. Anytime I, I think about, I try to think of. Um, Are you going to say Michael? Aliases. Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I think of, try to think about aliases, I, I hear uh, Tom Holland and Spider Man. Oh, we're using our fake names. Uh, I'm Spider Man. <laughs> Which uh, oh. I'm glad you say Spider Man. Let's get the big oh. one out of the way now with Stan the Man, the Cameo Man, Stan Lee. Which how did mm. no one come up with Stan Lee, the Cameo Man sooner? Stan the Cameo mm. Man. Um, He's been in everything except for the bad Marvel movies. That's how you know a Marvel movie is going to be bad okay. is when he doesn't show up in them, like Fan Four Stick. Um, I feel like there's a couple others that he was like, "No thanks, I'm good." Even though I was in Daredevil, I don't think I'll be in this. Um, of all the various MCU or even not MCU, because he was in Mallrats. Um, of all the Stanley cameos. What would you put as your favorite one of all time? Uh, my favorite Stanley cameo, and I'm gonna get shot for this, is uh, when he appears in T Titans Go to the Movies. Yes, <laughs> it's so great. Hey, I'm like, Stan oh, Lee. I just Lee. love movies. <laughs> Excelsior! And then like d- jumps off to the screen. I was like, yes, absolutely. And it like I rewatched the movie. Uh, very, fairly recently that's after another his, jar right there yeah fa- fairly recently after his passing um and that came on and they're like there was a part of part of my heart that was like broken but also really really warm that even dc was like this man has done so much for movies that we he's got to be in ours yeah <laughs> For a while there, you? Uh, for a while there, it was Amazing Spider-Man when he's the librarian with the headset yeah. and he doesn't notice anything. But then, like you, after he passed, it really, really hit me. And I think the next cameo that I saw him in was Into the Spider-Verse when he's the comic book shop yeah. dealer. And Miles is buying a suit. He's just like, he was a hero to everybody. Well, what if the suit doesn't fit? It always fits eventually and then it goes no refunds and then but take away the the joke there i'm just like oh stanley telling us it will eventually fit and you all it's just such a good moment with stanley going yes 
you are Spider-Man. I let you be Spider-Man too. Spider-Man is not just a Peter Parker thing. I think that one hit yeah. me the most. I think that one's my new favorite. Uh, Absolutely. But but yeah, the DC <laughs> Teen Titans Go <laughs> movies one is so good too, which honorable mention to Teen Titans Go to the greatest Nicolas Cage cameo as yes! Superman. Yes! <laughs> you can't fool Superman. He's a national treasure. And I'm, I, I almost stood up in the theater and just, <laughs> like how how did you I pull wish, that off <laughs> i wish i could do that be that smooth i feel like they cast him just for that one single solitary joke and normally that oh would bug the crap out of me but it's nicholas cage i'll let it slide <laughs> i think the the and this is slowly turning into a teen titans go to the movie love fest because i love that movie more so than good. it probably deserves but um yeah like I wouldn't be surprised if they wrote the whole script out and they're like, man, this is a great joke. Who should we get to play uh, Superman? Nick Cage. Got it, Kate. Nicholas Cage. And then the producers will come and be like, oh, yeah. Did you guys know we almost cast him as Superman and everyone writing the script's going, that's why we cast him. Um, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Let me go with one that I don't know if it's on Josh's list or not. Um, He's been in quite a few. Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon has been in quite a few, whether it's Deadpool 2 as the hillbilly. Which one do you think I'm going to go with here, Josh? No, I thought you were doing like a, a Nicky impression. I was like, get Adam, that Adam Sandler crap out of here. Um. <laughs> and I've broken Josh with my Matt Damon. Um, Mr. Matt Damon. Um, he's in that one movie as like a punk rocker isn't he is that, that is uh... exactly the one i've got <laughs> matt damon in euro trip for those that don't know euro trip is one of those like really dumb like i forget if it was a spinoff or just a lazy attempt to recapture the appeal of um why am i blanking on it american pie so uh Damn. capitalizing on the success of that basically and so in it the main character is about to go on this vacation and his girlfriend doesn't love him anymore. And so they have this big party at a house and the lead singer of this hardcore punk rock band is a skinhead Matt Damon with tattoo sleeves and a big huge earring singing a song called Scotty Doesn't Know, basically singing that he's banging the main character's girlfriend who is Lana Lang from Smallville. And everyone in the audience is just going, is that, is that Matt? Damon? It's like the is it it's like the <laughs> Dean Kane John Mulaney joke. Is, is yep. that Dean Kane? Is it is that Matt Damon? Uh okay, sure. Cause it's sure. so like not Matt Damon. Like it's you know, for dramatic stuff like the Martian or the Oceans movies or Jason Bourne. And here he is, bald head and all, <laughs> singing Scotty Doesn't Know, being a total tool bag. I'm like <laughs> Why? But also you can so throw in Thor Ragnarok in there as fake Loki or oh, maybe Loki right. variant or Deadpool oh 2. Goodness. He's a Deadpool 2 as a redneck that gets killed by Cable. I'm going, okay, <laughs> Matt Damon, I see that you're 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 fine with any cameos, but that, that Eurotrip one, man, it's so not the usual Matt Damon that it had to be on here somewhere. <laughs> Some would say that it's a reflective of his uh, real personality. Anyway, um, I've got 
Let's, I'm going to jump one to one that is that caught me completely off guard, but is, in my opinion, possibly the best cameo possible. Uh, when Johnny Depp shows up in 21 Jump Street. Heck yeah! That one's on my list too. Oh, dude, it, like, I, it's just so hard to, like, get better than that. Because it comes out of absolutely nowhere. Freeze! You're under arrest. Oh, whoa! You guys were undercover too? Yeah, man. Oh yeah, we're from Jump Street. Oh yeah, we're from Jump Street too. Gets shot in the neck yes, as soon as he bro. sentences that sentence. Yes, bro. It, I think the crazy part too is when he's taking off all like the wig and all this other stuff. Like he doesn't look like Johnny until he takes the nose off, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. <laughs> like what? Way to like pull this out in the last ten minutes of the movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, because the, they kept so that great. secret so so well. Of yeah. Like, yes, we all know that's like the the go to answer for trivia night at the local bar. I feel like is what did Johnny Depp star in Twenty One Jump Street? After of course Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. Uh, and so everyone's like, Are "You gonna be in this? Are you gonna be in this?" And he notoriously hated Jump Street. And so I think he only signed up for this movie just to be killed off once and for all and i don't blame him um but yeah but like when you see him even in a close-up when he's got this makeup on you're like who is this random dude and then he like rips the nose off and everything else i'm just like they did get johnny depp and he's literally been here the entire the movie, movie and we didn't notice oh. this uh, it's and i think that's why that's why i like it the the most is that Technically, it's not a cameo because he's there the whole film, but like you don't realize he's there until the very. It's just, it's just so good. It's not like Star Wars where they're like, "Ha ha, that star, star, star stormtrooper was played by Daniel Craig." <laughs> so like, that's not how. That's not how this works. So you eerily <laughs> segued me perfectly in my next one, <laughs> like. I'm a little scared right now how perfectly you've set me up because 21 Jump Street was directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller who would do the best movie of 2014, not called The Winter Soldier, in the Lego movie. In which case, the greatest cameo in the Lego movie, among many others, hey, if we're going to do this, we need a hyperdrive, but we're stuck in the middle of the ocean. Where are we going to find a hyperdrive? Oh my gosh. Dun, 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 dun. And the, whole, like, the main cast of Star Wars just comes flying from off screen. What do you got over here, Chewbacca? And it's Billy Dee Williams. You're like, what the heck? And then C-3PO pops out. and Like, what the heck is Star Wars doing here? Like, this is wonderful. And obviously Harrison Ford didn't come back as Han Solo. But you had Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Billy Dee Williams as Lando. That was one of the first movies Heather and I went to see in the theaters together. I think it really, actually, it might have been. And... I told her after the movie was when we got out, I was like, you went on a date with my inner nine-year-old tonight because it was weird when we get to the theater. There is like just basically kids there with their parents. And then there's us full grown adults. I am not proud. And I'm proud of that. The fact that when the millennium Falcon shows up and the star Wars music plays and all the characters pop out, no one in the theater screamed louder than I did and was giddier than I was <laughs> of like, was like God, guys, that's the millennium Falcon. And I feel like there's probably just kids looking around going, we know we are familiar with Star Wars too, <laughs> but we're we're not that excited. I'm going, guys, like I shouldn't the be. Millennium so... Falcon in a Lego. Movie. Do you know how hard copyright is? Like this is nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> 
do you guys not understand how hard it is to get the rights to other things? Like, guys, this is so cool. Like, guys, Justice League <laughs> and Star Wars is in the same movie as the Ninja Turtles and Gandalf. This movie is perfect. How can you hate it? Like, get excited, y'all. And then they made the second one, and then I lost my excitement, and it got yes. sold to somebody else. But that, yes. I still get a thrill out of how convenient it is. Oh, we're trapped in the middle of the ocean. We need a hyperdrive. Oh, the hyperdrive's acting up again as the Millennium Falcon just happens to be there. Oh, yep. it's, it's so good. Oh, it's so utterly convenient, but it makes my Star Wars and Lego heart happy. It was so well done. Uh, also, honorable mention to 21 and 22 Jump Street actors, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, being Superman and Green Lantern in both of those yeah. movies. It's such a good touch. Also... Because we can never not talk about it. Circle it back to Teen Titans. Go to the movies. Remember who voiced Green Lantern? Channing freaking Tatum again. <laughs> With the great yeah. line of, they should make a Green Lantern movie. Oh, they, they did. We, we just don't talk about it. <laughs> I love... God, man. I might go watch Teen Titans go to the movies tonight. Just It, it brings such joy to my life. Uh, like, un, un, there's no... Ah, dude, oh, the song the song about um, how you can do anything gets me in right in the feels every time. Is that the um, one right before I'll... they hit the polar bear? Yeah. <laughs> His dad's a cop! Drive! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so all dumb right. and bad it's... and wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about a movie that is tech. It's technically a cameo, I think. But it, in my recollection, it's the only time where one movie references another for no reason other than the two uh, they have two of the same actors. So if you've seen Maverick, you know that it stars Mel Gibson. And uh, halfway through, uh, Mel Gibson's character goes to get is getting robbed at a bank, and the guy the bank robber pulls his mask down, and it's Danny Glover. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the the thing that makes it a cameo for me is they both look at each other like, "Do I know you? I know you from somewhere." And so the the, the robbery obviously you know it goes south, and Danny Glover's character sitting out outside at, at the towards the end of the scene, and he just goes, "Man, I am too old for this." <laughs> I'm like, does anybody see this? Is this just me? Okay. Oh, it's so great. It makes the movie so much better. I got a couple like rapid fire ones of uh, Get me with again, it. obviously comedies, but it's people like really respected actors or performers playing so against type. We have to talk about Doogie Howser, Neil Patrick Harris, and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. No, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Because guess what? He takes that cameo and turns it into a character on <laughs> on how I, how I Met Your Mother. So, Well, maybe not to the extreme of his character in, in White Castle. <laughs> to the point of just like, when I hear White Castle, I just think Neil Patrick Harris now and his misadventures like i don't think the movie as a whole is that great it's just a really dumb stoner comedy but then (laughs) all anyone ever remembers about that movie is tweaked out neil patrick harris needing (laughs) white castle and saving the guys at the end by buying them food like the heck 
that's that to me is the point of a really good cameo it's just what you're kind of just left scratching your head as again yet another stoner comedy that left me scratching my head with its cameo one of many in tenacious d in the pick of destiny but it's not the one you're probably thinking of as much as we all love dave grohl as satan as the devil (laughs) who loves metal no, I'm talking about the crazy hobo played by Tim Robbins of the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> and now I've lost Josh as he's playing. I'm the devil, I can do what I want. Oh, I love I, I I have a unreasonable love for Tenacious D. Uh, and not because you look like Kyle Gass. Oh, stop. Oh, no, I just saw myself. Oh, no. Turn it off. I don't want to be here anymore. Oh, no. Jeez. <laughs> we have lost I mean, all but, control of this I, show. I, I also want to be best friends with Jack Black. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. I want to. I want to be on a first name basis that I can just call him JB and KG. Why? Why not the KG experiment? Oh, dude. But gosh. But yes. No. Uh, but yeah, your cameo. Yeah, yeah. Not my. <laughs> not my love of uh, really bad rock. It's not bad. Oh. It's it's. It changed the world, man. It saved the world. But everyone always goes to, like, Dave Grohl or somebody else. I'll go with crazy Tim Robbins because I'm used to Tim Robbins being Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption, like, really serious roles. And then he's in this, the slow-moving, murderous hobo that wants to shank them to death. And they're just like, if we go slowly this way... (laughs) Like, how did he agree to do this? Like, it is so stupid ridiculous of him. And it's kind of wonderful at the same time. I mean, and like, I think that's some of the best cameos out there. Like, Muppets is arguably the best at doing cameos. Oh, because yeah. it like, they just... It, it, hey, uh, who's in a Muppets movie? Everyone. Literally everyone is in Muppets. And it's always a great time. And now the real question is, Josh... Are you a man or are you a Muppet? Or are you a Muppet of a man? A Muppet of a man. Okay. Oh, man. I'd also be All remiss right, so- in my quick fire if I didn't bring up my all-time favorite comedy, Robin Hood Men in Tights. And oh. King Richard, played by Sir Patrick oh, Frickin' Stewart. Uh, you forgot forget? about this, didn't you? Yeah. I told you this. when I was like, man, look, here's the thing. I got like five or six on my actual list, but I guarantee the more we'll, we'll talk, the more and more I'll be like, oh, yeah. But yes. Oh, mm. First of all, great movie. Second of all, cameo out of nowhere in the last like five, ten minutes. From henceforth. You shall be known, all toilets in the kingdom shall be known as John's. <laughs> and it's like, before the ceremony may continue, I must kiss the bride. I can't even try and do an accent. And he goes through this really long smooch and you just have um, Mel Brooks in the back. It's good to be the king. <laughs> like looking directly at the camera. <laughs> but to be fair... If Sean Connery is the king in the movie that you're parodying, you need someone on par with that. And so Patrick Stewart is on par, probably better because, you know, he's a better human being. Um, But how good would it have been if they also got Sean Connery for that? And it'd be like, I am King Richard in all the lands. And they just go, are we allowed to do that? 
like that would yep. be a total Mel Brooks move. But, but yep. Patrick Stewart's great in that. Um, I'm not I gonna mean, say the full line, but the cameo. She's more than a cameo, but latrine. Um, <laughs> or <laughs> hey, we change it to latrine. <laughs> hey, I bet. I hate that guy. Okay, we need to move on, or else I will quote this entire movie. Yes, it is easy. It's easily one of my favorite. How'd you do that? Films I can hear quote. it coming a mile away. Hey, Blinken. What? Who's talking? Um, <laughs> Hold on, guys. I've got to pump up. <laughs> Leaves up. <I> <laughs> All right, time in. Okay, oh, while Josh recovers. I was surprised oh. to find out. Robert Man Tights is one of my favorite comedies. Believe it or not, one of Heather's favorite comedies is Dodgeball. <laughs> and Dodgeball hey, yes. has multiple cameos. Uh, Lance Armstrong before he was a disgrace. Um, <laughs> Jeez, we are shooting from the hip today. Oh, man. There's a couple cameos that have like not aged well in movies. No. But the one no. that has aged well because... This guy, Roundhouse Kicks Age in the Face, Chuck frickin' Norris, as the judge that has the deciding vote on Average Joe's. I remember watching it for the first time as I saw it much, much later, so I didn't know that Chuck Norris is in this. So, like, first judge, yes. Grumpy lady, no. And then they, like, take their time getting to the third one. Yes. Thank you, Chuck Norris. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Wait. Wait. It's not even a guy. It's not even Chuck Norris pretending to be somebody else. It's just Chuck Norris. Yeah, it's being just Chuck, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. And this is a movie that, like, has Jason Bateman being... I'm not normally the biggest Jason Bateman fan, but I will always lose it of... That's a bold strategy there, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. <laughs> like, his commentator's great, but the Chuck Norris thing... I'll go on record saying I think that might be partially responsible for the rise of Chuck Norris jokes when we were in junior high because the timeline correlates. Yeah. This was, I think, 2003, 2004, and I feel like Chuck, the rise of Chuck Norris jokes was like really hit its peak in 2006, 2007 because I for sure had a couple Chuck Norris joke books just because I love them that much. Because they're, oh, they're so great. Chuck Norris is born on a log cabin that he built with his bare hands. <laughs> or <laughs> I, There's so many. Uh, there it's is. Just, it's one of those, uh, it's dumb, but it gets right to the point. And there's a lot of great cameos in Dodgeball. Also, another great Alan Tudyk performance that we don't talk about. Cause what? Alan Tudyk's the pirate. Oh, I, it's been so long since I've seen and Dodgeball. Any chance, I, any chance I get to talk about Alan Tudyk, I will, because of our intense Tucker and Dale versus Evil love, and he's mm. just really underrated, and he's like, the only good thing about Rogue One is K2SO. I said it. Um, But Dodgeball, yep. Dodgeball's no, great. It's great. And so, so is Chuck Norris. Um, absolutely. So, um... Are we going to talk about Bill Murray now, or... Okay, yeah. I feel like we can talk about Bill Murray now, because I'm in my final three. Like, my top three of all okay. time. And Bill okay, Murray okay, is there. Okay. Yeah, Bill Bill Murray in, in uh, Zombieland Bill is literally like... Bill Murray! Murray! Who's Bill Murray? <laughs> Whoa, I've never hit a child before. <laughs> Even though, like, the, his character... What what his character in that movie is... He has definitely hit a child before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, don't even. Don't pretend. Okay, uh, here's the sad thing is when you say he's definitely hit a child before, I don't know if you're referring to Woody Harrelson or Bill Murray. 
Oh, it's... Both I of mean, them. <laughs> yeah, they both, absolutely. Like, at this point in time, Bill Murray kind of become, like, an internet joke of just, like, the internet loves Bill Murray, and if Zombieland fully leans into that... Yes. Of just, like... Oh yeah, this is just this is just makeup prosthetics. This is just to keep up appearances with the Joneses. Um, <laughs> I also appreciate that they kept the joke running for Zombieland Two. Yes! For those that haven't seen it, we don't forget about Bill Murray, and also the world does not forget about Jesse Eisenberg yeah, shotgunning Bill Murray in the chest. Man, he almost got murried. Um, murried? What's that? You ever hear about Bill Murray getting shot when he was? still alive no no that sounds horrible who's who's bill murray <laughs> and, and i love I, I think the my favorite part of two is the whole garfield scene where he just goes crazy <laughs> the outbreak the outbreak happens at his like what was it garfield four or something like that. yeah it was <laughs> and he's just like i hate press junkets as he's fighting zombies like completely unfazed by zombie uprising like that's not the most inconvenient part of its day it's his the actual press junket that he's a part of um, yeah, absolutely. But, like, normally, Bill Murray, for lack of a better term, is kind of a dick. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and in Zombieland, he's a nice person. Like, he's just like, yeah, I got this great mansion. Oh, I've got the Ghostbuster suits if you want to just cosplay for a little bit. And Woody Harrelson, like, okay, do we think he's a bigger Elvis fan or a Bill Murray fan? Because he freaks out both times. Um, mm-hmm. with the blue suede shoes and the second one and I just love Zombieland both of them I think they're great and I think a big part of that is Bill Murray being arguably one of the greatest cameos of all time of like this is Absolutely. how you properly utilize someone in a movie it's not oh, I was about to say it's not my favorite cameo of all time but it might be like I said it's t- at least top three it's probably my yeah. favorite comedy yeah. um st- um, I was about to say stereotype. It's my favorite comedy <laughs> cameo of all time. Fall very, very closely behind by I'm talking scorched earth. I will massacre you. Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> That's Josh's oh, like no. only other one left, I'm assuming. I look like him <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Okay, would you rather oh, look like no. Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder or Kyle Gass? Oh god. No, he doesn't he's... have a beard. He kind of he's got some five o'clock shadow, but not Okay. Not uh-huh. to the sure, thickness sure, sure, of the sure, Kyle sure. Gass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least you don't look like Colt Cabana anymore. Oh god. That was so bad. That don't remind it was like Colt Cabana and um some at one point somebody was like, Hey, you look like CM Punk and I was like, I just don't want to look like wrestlers. For those that look like me. Just listen to the audio only podcast. If you ever want to know what Josh's face actually looks like, just Google Colt Cabana and add a beard, basically. That that's Josh. <laughs> if you ever want to know what I look like, uh merge Nicholas Holt, James Marsden, and Skeletor. Um <laughs> what? Skele- okay, no, okay, no. No, no, no. <laughs> cameos. We're talking about cameos. <laughs> oh, the dude. scorched earth mother effer. <laughs> I have seen Tropic Thunder once. I uh I have not like it's been so long. No. I'm sorry. I'm oh. sorry. See, I appreciate that it's Tom Cruise not being Tom Cruise here. Like, he's going so different. But also, because Tom Cruise is a madman, he's not wearing a fat suit in Tropic Thunder. He genuinely put on to around 40 to 50 pounds 
for Tropic Thunder. It's not even a big role. He just ate like nothing but burgers and fries for this movie, which is a very limited role because he's that nuts, which that can't be healthy. Clearly, he was talking to Christian Bale about this performance. Um, yeah. But, oh, my gosh, there's very few times that I will laugh as hard in a movie, especially in Tropic Thunder, which I love already. But the scenes with Les Grossman of, I will massacre you. I am talking Scorch Earth, mother effer, hangs up. Can you find out who that was? Thanks. We'll call him back later. I'm like, <laughs> just completely calm. And then at the end, I'm sure even people that haven't seen this movie have seen the big sexy dance in the end credits that he does of sexy fat man Tom Cruise dancing to the camera like, what is this movie? Ben Stiller, how did you get Tom Cruise to do this? You it's, it's, are a It's mad- Ben Stiller. Yeah. Um, it's been, I mean, oh, but also like, how did Mike Myers uh, get um, Tom to be in Goldeneye? <laughs> was it Goldeneye? Austin Powers? Uh, Goldmember. Goldfinger. Gold, Goldfinger. Goldeneye was the actual James Bond nah, movie. James Bond isn't real. <laughs> Austin Powers is the only spy movie. And well, what's your last one? <laughs> um, it's my only horror one, like straight up horror, because we had. A discussion with a friend of mine that listens to the podcast that Zombieland doesn't really count as a horror. It's a comedy with horrific elements. Um, it's my only out-and-out horror one, and it's just because my Halloween and horror-loving heart, there's no way I couldn't put the mother of horror on my list in Janet Lee in Halloween H2O. So for those that don't know, Janet Lee is the woman that gets stabbed to death in the shower in Psycho. Mm-hmm. She also happens to be the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, a.k.a. Laurie Strode in Halloween, my favorite horror movie of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time. And H2O, which is supposed to be set 20 years after the original movie, and Laurie's escaped and renamed herself um, Miranda Tate? No, Miranda Tate's Dark Knight Rises. Um, Carrie Tate? It's something Tate. She renames herself to hide from Michael Myers, but he finds her in her school in California. And the secretary at the school is her real life mom. And so there's this great scene where uh, there's a jump scare and um, the her mom is just like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I guess it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare, which is, of course, a really nice Easter egg to the original Halloween where Sheriff Brackett said that to Lori. Um, and then her mom goes something along the lines of, well, for the record, she's not her mom in the movie, but you know what I mean. Uh, she goes... Um, you seem stressed lately. If you allow me a moment to be uh, maternal, I'm going, really? Just looking right Stop. at the camera. Looking yeah. right at the camera, just winking right at it. Something, something about that. I also, uh, not even a scene before that. She's trying to get uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's attention of like something that's happening at the school. And she's like, uh, the women's showers drain. The women's shower drain is clogged again. I'm going, yeah, I know what yeah. you did there. Um but this is also one of the final performances from um, Janet Lee, And so they had this beautiful way of sending her off without even realizing this would be one of her final performances. Is after she says goodbye to Jamie Lee Curtis, she goes and gets back in her car, which is the exact same car from Psycho, while they play some of the music from Psycho in the background. It was like, before we get really diehard Easter eggs in movies nowadays, this was a really, really cool one. Um, so without... Janet Lee, without Psycho, there there really is no slasher. So there's no Texas Chainsaw in 1974. Mm-hmm. There's no Halloween in 78. 
Uh, she's the mother of horror, and she also birthed my favorite horror character of all time with Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. And Jamie Lee Curtis is a phenomenal actress, so I love that they got to have this scene together. I think that's such a fun cameo. It's such a good way to like honor the past while moving in a new direction, and I just love H2O so much. Also, I had some issues while I was doing research for this episode because I was looking up trying to find horror cameos. And for some freaking reason, every list tried to say, like, anybody that wasn't a main character in H2O counts as a cameo. They're like, did you know LL Cool J has a cameo in H2O? I'm like, he's not a cameo. He's the straight-up security guard. He's, like, an actual supporting character. Or somebody's like, did you know there's a Joseph Gordon-Levitt cameo in H2O? I'm like, he's not a cameo. He's got, like, a full-fledged scene. He's the first kill of the movie. Um, by not- that, yeah, because by by that logic, you could be like, "Did you know Buster Rhymes was in a Halloween movie?" Oh man! <laughs> no, Buster Rhymes and LL Cool J are always my go-to's. Of people who are just like the black guy always dies in horror movies. Halloween has been very good about that. Of LL yes. Cool J and Buster Rhymes both kick Michael Myers' butt. Um, like uh, legitimately happy s- Halloween, motherfucker. <laughs> small nitpick <laughs> that I always hate in um in uh h2o is there's a scene where laurie strode and her boyfriend are running from michael and they see someone coming around the corner and so she shoots at him and we find out it's ll cool j security guard but the problem is the establishing shot that sees this mysterious figure walking around the corner i have freeze framed it before it is actually michael so she's has every right to shoot him and then when they cut back to it it's ll cool j going okay you're using some really stupid trick editing here like you can't just pop out like that i'm so sorry also as much as i love halloween as much as i love h2o it is without a doubt the worst Michael Myers um, actor of all time. Uh, I forget what the guy's name is, but like, I will take the actor that played Michael in the Rob Zombie Halloweens before I pick the guy from H2O. Uh, he's that bad. Of uh, Everyone knows the iconic Michael Myers, like Undertaker sit-up. This dude, it's even in the movie. So in order to do the Michael Myers sit-up, he has to be lying on his back. This idiot lays on his stomach and has to inchworm his butt back out of the closet that he's in just so he can do the sit-up correctly. And it's in the movie because he didn't know he was supposed to lay on his back instead of on his stomach. And also, he did some weird acting choices. Apparently, I watched the behind the scenes of this. He would purr because that's what mountain lions do when stalking their prey. And so when he's stalking Jamie Lee Curtis on set, he would make like purr and meowing noises. I'm going... Are you kidding me? I kind of want to see that with audio. I'm just do 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 do. You know it would be a, a meme. It would be like <laughs> somebody out there who who uh, makes TikToks needs to do that. Like just add that in to to H2O clips. And then just to top it off, have Michael Myers chase a laser pointer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how Lori scares him away or distracts him as a laser pointer pointed out the balcony in the original Halloween. That's what makes him tip over, not getting a shot six times. <laughs> but Josh, any last minute cameos that we may have forgotten about? Oh, man. No. I mean, it's very interesting to me that co- uh, comedies tend to do more 
more cameos and do them better. But then again, I, it's unless you have a fran- franchise, it can be kind of tough to do cameos in a ser- more quote unquote serious nature. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's cameos are, are some of my favorite parts of movies. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, honorable mention to just because I love the movie A Team when you bring in the original face actor. Hey, yeah, what, what do you do for the face? You just leave it, kid. Like, uh, I like any time that they can bring in someone from the original to come back. That's always a nice Easter egg idea. Um, but, yeah, if you like, what are some of your favorite Easter eggs? Let's get into that. Um, let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And, as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're trying to get to 500 by the end of the year. I think we're standing at, like, 467 or something like that. So we're really, really close. If you want to help us out get us to 500, that would be awesome. And, of course, check out Uncharted Media merch on Public or in the link in the description. And, as always... Stay sharp, movie guys and gals.